live from the ESPN 690 and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Uh, they, they were very excited, especially just coming off that that 20 game uh, streak that we just that we just broke. Everyone was excited and. Um, kind of like that hype of that kind of died down and they went straight on to uh, this this hype which I mean that um, immediately once I told uh, Coach Urban he he jumped in action told everybody around the building and he had me uh, come on the team meeting and kind of tell the story and everybody was just so happy and honestly we're, we're all just happy that Alani Alani came out healthy more than anything well, what a week for Dewan Smooth, Jacksonville Jaguars defensive tackle. We've been talking about it for the last couple of days, and it's just a great story. It's worth uh, uh, talking about. I think he's done an excellent job of sharing the story, but also remembering to kind of prop up his wife and everything she had to go through in the ordeal. And and uh, happy, healthy baby girl uh, to to join. I think a two and a half year old son uh, that the Smoots have. And he was on earlier today on ESPN 690 with uh, Keyshawn, Jay, and Max this morning. Uh, joined uh, ESPN nationally, which you can hear right here on ESPN 690. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, String Sports Brewery. Hey, one of the reasons uh, we don't do a, a local morning show is because you can sometimes get better coverage with the national guys, Austin. Yeah, I guess so, right? <laughs> That's what it seems like. <laughs> My word. Uh, so, anyway, it was good to have him on ESPN 690. Uh, Casey gave me a heads up on that. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, good. Uh, uh, the Smooth story's been fantastic, though. It's uh, all over the place. You know, I beg, I was begging for Jags to get on Good Morning Football or some of these national shows, and, well, it was Smooth that got on, not, not for football. Yeah. <laughs> but, but instead for uh, helping deliver his, uh, his baby girl. Um, more on this story. Let's... That was the reaction inside the building, which is kind of cool. I was going to ask you this. Do you remember a story? Not not like this. I know this is a unique story. But do you remember something like in your playing days? I'm going to really put you on the spot. That kind of got the, the room jacked up about somebody <laughs> from a personal level. You know, like, I mean, I, people yeah. have babies, right? They get yeah. married. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know, birthdays, celebrate, whatever it is. Uh, well, you're laughing, so I'm yeah. assuming you remember a story. What's the story? Kiss him, Osgood. Oh, that's all <laughs> so I'm gonna that's say. That's a little bit different. Well, yeah, I'm just gonna say. God, I mean, we were, <laughs> we were. Like, it was just, yeah. I, I can't say too much about it, but yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you can say a little about it. All right. I mean, I'm not gonna Osgood. say anything that the the, the the news headlines haven't read. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kasim Osgood had to jump out of a window. Yes. Because Brent, go and finish the story. I believe if I, I don't want to, if I remember correctly, he was at a woman's house, and can you be more specific? He then got, uh, I no, he then got. Uh, <laughs> okay, she was a cheerleader. Yes, uh, oh, he. I was trying not to be specific. Oh, okay. He then got. Um, there was. He got pistol whipped. Apparently, yeah, didn't there, he? there was a gun that got brought out, and then <laughs> okay, be careful well, on the laughter here. Well, because I mean, it's funny <laughs> it's a now. Situation. Well, it's funny now. 
He didn't. Like, he's fine. We, we all laughed about like the entire locker room laughed about it. And he had to get up and talk in front of everybody. And you, if you know Kazim, like we all laughed about it. But yeah, so a, a, a gun got brought into play because maybe a, an ex-boyfriend of some sort or something came around and saw Kazim there, and, and guns got brought into play. Kazim jumped out of the window hurt his ankle, and then the next day he had to tell the team what happened, and then we had to have, like, a big HR meeting because we couldn't fraternize with the cheerleaders. <laughs> so, by the way, isn't that already a built-in rule, or is that myth? What do you mean? That you can't fraternize with cheer cheerleaders. I mean, it, it might be the Kasim Osgood rule as far as I know, but, yeah, like the, you're not supposed to fraternize with cheerleaders. I mean, I, I never, always thought that yeah. was, like, an NFL rule, like, uh, but never really knew for sure, but I thought it was coming off, like, the Dallas Cowboys from years, years back. Uh, um, that could have been. I thought that's where it stemmed, I, and I'm not sure if that's true. I just kind of always assumed that was the case. Yeah. But you guys, after that situation, were basically told no fraternizing fraternizing with uh, the cheerleaders. Yes, we, we had multiple people come in and tell the team not to uh, fraternize with the cheerleaders. By the way, Kasim Osgood heralded as <laughs> a uh, very good special teams player. Yeah. And, and they were right. He was really good at special teams. He, and he, no, was he was a character to yeah. begin with. So this story on top of being a character, yeah. um, I can see why your reaction is the way it no, is. No, because, I mean, if, if you knew anything about Kasim, this was like a fun-loving guy, um, always had a great time, kept the locker room light, and that's what that's what locker rooms need. You, you, you need those guys that just kind of see life differently. And he was one of those dudes. I mean, he, he was always making us laugh, whether it was offense, defense. Like, he was just, the guy was a character. I'm not sure what he's doing now. I know he's trying to get his, his hand into acting, which w would suit him very well. But, um... Can no, reenact that scene. Oh, can reenact that scene for sure. But, I mean, just, just the way that he described the story to us in the locker room and he had to get in front of the team, I'm telling you, it was just a, it, it was a classic thing. Not, not, really, I, not, not really a feel-good story like you're referring to with Smoot, <laughs> yes, but I'm I just, know. I have to answer your questions. I don't know what you want from me. Uh, well, that was, no, I, I, I wanted that. That was yeah. good. Uh, I wondered about what, because I just, listen, there's a lot of stories that don't get publicly announced that happen in probably the walls talk yeah. inside locker rooms and inside buildings that, that, again, don't get publicized of a guy doing this or that or whatever. Um, like, I would really wonder, and, and again, you can say this after everything worked out, like, if you were in the locker room, and I know you weren't, for when, like, the Denard Robinson story happened driving into a lake. Yeah, yeah. Or a retention pond, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wonder what the reaction was like. And honestly, that might have been in the offseason when that happened. I can't remember exactly. But mm -hmm. so we do get those kind of stories where the locker room's like, did that really happen? And that must have been Kasim Osgood kind of story. Like, just visualize how that's going down. And it looks like it's straight out of a movie or a sitcom, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. So there was that story, and then the other story that's of public knowledge as well, that was like one of the leading headlines on TMZ, my rookie year, was um, a, an offensive tackle by the name of Kez Kevin Haslam. Um, had to get a rookie haircut, and in his haircut they put something that probably wasn't the most appropriate, and TMZ got a hold of it. And that was the reason why haircuts were banned then in Jacksonville, and, and you couldn't really haze anymore was because wow, of what I, happened to Kevin Haslam. Now, I don't remember that story. <laughs> this was on TMZ. Like, this, this was the leading story of TMZ for a day. And I Jack Del Rio, like, 
Jack Del Rio mentioned, like, he brought us in the room. He's like, yep, we're done with that because, uh, you know, everybody knows about it. Now, some congratulations, you guys ruined it. So I remember Jack Del Rio getting pretty upset uh, of the distractions that one haircut caused. Now, is that why you ended up eventually getting taped to the goalpost, do you think? No. No, I got taped to the goalpost because, well, it was a defensive lineman thing, I guess, and we're all rookies. I mean, that, that, that was the one downside of our rookie class was it was Tyson Alualu, DeAnthony Smith, Larry Hart, and myself. So you had four rookies on the defensive line. And then, you know, you had some undrafted free agents as well. So, like, we, you know, I mean, essentially, we were the group. Like, we were the rookie group, the defensive linemen. So we always got it the worst because there's most of us, um, you know, in one position group. I got gotcha. you. Uh, well, to flip from those kind of stories. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, the Kevin Haslam story, not a, feel, a funny story for us, not for him, but not a feel-good story. No, uh, this is a feel-good story about Dewan Smoot and helping his wife deliver their baby girl. Uh, and Smoot joined uh, Keyshawn J. and Max this morning, uh, and you could hear it on ESPN 690. Here's what else he had to say uh, this morning on ESPN 690. The day before, we actually went to the doctors, and um, everything was fine. Uh, she, she said she wasn't dilated. She said there was, like, no risk of the baby coming within the week. So we were, we were thinking that she wasn't going to come for another week, and she wasn't even full-term yet. She ended up having her at 37 weeks. But um, so the night the night it happened, um, apparently she was up at 3 o'clock. This was my wife. Well, my wife is telling me. She was up at 3 o'clock. She said she had to use the bathroom, and right after she did, the contractions started coming on. And that's when I woke up, and I saw her bent over near the dresser. And of course, I'm coming over asking, is everything okay? Let's go ahead and start timing out the contractions and everything. And um, when we did, there were about 30-second um, I mean, 30, 30 contractions in a minute in between. So it started to come very, very quickly. And um, we're like, okay, you're having these contractions. We caught the midwife because uh, we were planning on having her naturally at a, at the, at the birth, at a birthing center anyway. So um, we caught her, and she said, okay, just go ahead and head over. Just stay calm. And that, that's what we tried to do. And, and Amari, in the, in the midst of it, she was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take a shower and just get prepared for this. Uh, but right when she got in the shower, the contraction started to come on stronger and stronger. So we had to hurry up and get out of the shower. We're just like, all right, let's just hurry up and get in the car. We had to get, get our two-year-old son, and we just uh, started walking towards the door. And before before I knew it, turned around, and she's, like, like bending over in pain. So I came over to her, and she, like, collapsed in pain. And she's just telling me, hey, we're not going to make it to the hospital. Like, feel down there. I put my hand down there, and I feel a baby's head. <laughs> yeah. And literally within, within the next 10 seconds, the whole, like, baby just came flying out. And I had no other choice but to, like, catch Amari and to catch the baby at the same time. And um, once we did, um, like, the umbilical cord was kind of tied behind her neck. And my wife, my unbelievable wife, she literally just popped an axe and grabbed the umbilical cord and, like, took it off her neck. And she, the baby looked up and took a deep breath and started crying. We were like, yes, all right, it's, wow. uh, it's a healthy baby. Yeah. What a story. I mean, it's just amazing. How many times he's going to tell that story for the rest of his life, probably. But the one Smoot uh, really all over the place uh, telling the story now um, from the national uh, radio shows, the TV shows. And you could hear it this morning on ESPN 690. Uh, and uh, we're just sharing some of that. We'll have more of it, of course, throughout the rest of the week on a lot of our TV shows, including uh, Jaguars All Access presented by... Um, <laughs> Fields Auto Group coming up a little bit later on. And that is uh, with Shaquille Griffin.
He will join us from String Sports Brewery. Brent Martineau here right now until 6. That show is at 7 on Fox 30. Uh, at Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz in the studios. Uh, the Smoot story is a cool one. Well. And now hopefully they can all enjoy their bye week. Mm -hmm. uh, as you're sending me these other stories now, and I'm being distracted by them. Oh, uh, sorry, but now man. everybody is sending them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, As yeah. Well. Good. So, uh, I will get caught up on this story uh, soon enough uh, for sure. Uh, hey, yesterday you brought up, uh, we were talking about some topics ar around the NFL. You know, Deshaun Watson became a big one over the last 24 hours. Yeah. And uh, we talked a lot about Deshaun Watson yesterday. I feel like I'm, I, I don't know if I'm exactly right, but I feel like I was getting warmer as we were talking about that yesterday. Uh, this is not to pat myself on the back. I could be dead wrong. But I feel like this is something Houston is trying to move on. Do you get that sense as well? When you say Houston's trying to, like they're trying to make stuff up, or what do you, what do you mean? Well, they're, they're trying, trying to, move to on create it. a market yeah. uh, and, and um, speed up the market and just get rid of and done with Deshaun Watson. That's what I feel like. I, I don't know, uh, but it just has the sense of that. Again, the reports were coming out of Houston. Uh, the team could certainly feed that to to people. There might be a little smoke on Miami, but are they trying to get some other suitors like Denver that could be involved and put pressure on other teams that might need a quarterback and say, hey, you got an opportunity. And by the way, 2022 doesn't have a great draft class of quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. So you have this opportunity to get a guy that's really good and has done a lot. And if you want to take a little chance and really change your organization from the quarterback position, you might want to jump in the game a little bit before the trade deadline of November 2nd. I just feel like it's more that than actually Miami's really hot and heavy and pushing for the Deshaun Watson thing because, like I said yesterday, man, I think they can wait this out a little bit and they might get better value for Deshaun after the season or closer to the new league year in 2022 than they might even right now. So I feel like this is coming from Houston trying to maybe wash their hands of the uh, Watson situation. Do you think it could be from his agent as well, though? Well, it could be. I mean, it could be a... Uh, a little bit of a ploy there and so whether it's the camp whether it's houston itself yeah i feel like it's just in that zip code sure <laughs> you no, know for sure I mean? yeah and and i think i think it is yeah i mean um you know that's where the sources first started coming from so uh, i definitely agree with you there and you know you hear the team still being rumored whether it's the eagles um whether it's uh the dolphins obviously i heard that the, the Panthers were like a long shot. For the, I mean, someone verified said that as well. Uh, yeah, I know Casey. Sorry about so, Hey, Casey, relax. All right, it was just some random. All right, he was verified, but it was they some just random. Just threw the team in. They threw the team in there. <laughs> Don't, Sam Donald's fine. Okay, keep benefiting from having him in fantasy. I guess. Um, at the end of the day, is the juice worth the squeeze right now for Deshaun Watson? And I think we both agree that it is not because you're not sure what you're about to get. There could be a whirlwind coming your way in terms of legal precedence and um, who knows, maybe even jail time. So I think it's, it's unrealistic to expect a team like the Dolphins or, you know, for whatever reason, the Eagles when you have Jalen Hurts right now, but like the Eagles to give up that much draft capital because it's going to be something. Like you can't justify trading Deshaun Watson away for less than Matthew Stafford got despite the allegations. This is not how the NFL works. It's not how business works. So I just think it is Houston or it's Deshaun Watson's agent trying to move the conversation a little bit. And unless you get him on the super discount, I don't see Deshaun Watson going anywhere. 
Yeah, I don't either. I, I just don't. My gut, this is all a gut play by me. I, I just feel like this is a little bit of gamesmanship and all the rest. I don't think Deshaun Watson's in a new place by November 2nd. I, I don't feel that. Could happen. Uh, I just don't feel it. Another thing you brought up yesterday we didn't get to is uh, Dan Campbell kind of calling out his quarterback. Um, this is a position that we have. Uh, we'll talk about Jared Goff, by the way. And Goff's been interesting in the news, right? Campbell and, and the whole McVay thing. McVay kind of apologized for how it all went down. And uh, and Goff even acknowledged that today, that he appreciates that, though he still remembers how it went down. Uh, so the whole – that part of it's kind of interesting. But uh, Dan Campbell not coddling his QB, that's different. In the NFL, even, the quarterback gets coddled. We've yeah. talked about it before. Uh, how do you feel about it? Do you like it? And if you're going to be a hard-nosed, tough guy coach, well, be that way with everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, he, Dan Campbell coming out and saying, I feel like he needs to step into more than he has. He's got to start winning some ball games, all this stuff. It is a, it's an interesting way to go about things. Um, you know, if it's a quarterback's coach, I can see that. If it's an offensive coordinator, I can see that. But, you know, Dan Campbell, I mean, last time I checked, was he a quarterback in the NFL? No. No, he was not. Was he a quarterback's coach in the NFL? Uh, no. No, he was not. So to come out there and, and put Jared Goff on blast like that, I don't think it's the best look. I, I get what Dan Campbell's trying to do, and he's trying to be different, and you're trying to get the best out of your quarterback. Now, he, I think he, he came out today and said Jared Goff is obviously still a guy going forward, and that's the way it's going to be. So he kind of, you know re-upped a little bit and, and, and uh, you know, cleared the air, if you will. But, yeah, I think Jared Goff knows what he has to do. You know, I don't think he needs his head coach um, calling him out as well. Yeah, uh, you know, it's an interesting deal with Goff because Goff, uh, it makes me think of, he was in a pretty good situation. He was obviously in a very good situation. McVay knows quarterbacks, uh, and he knows offense, and it feels like that's a good fit for any quarterback. Uh, Blake Bortles even tried to go there to get fixed, if you will. You know, <laughs> It was almost like this rehab place for quarterbacks. But Goff goes to the Super Bowl. We think that was a lot McVay and pushing the buttons. Almost felt like, I was almost felt like they were playing flag football in, in L.A., uh, with Goff at QB where they would call every play for him and look over to the sideline and then just, okay, go execute it. But Goff has some skills. I mean, he's certainly, he's not great. And, and now you look at his career and you wonder because Detroit's not a great place to be. He's working with Mark Brunel there in Detroit, but Detroit overall, and I know we could say the same about Jacksonville, but it's not like, is that going to be a place where he can blossom? And even in Dan Campbell's, you figure that they will be good from a defensive, hard-nosed, tough-style football does that benefit the quarterback? Well, maybe. It can help you win some games. But are they, is he going to blossom in Detroit? I would think many of us would bet against that. Mm -hmm. uh, we can wonder, Carson Wentz, is he going to blossom in Indianapolis and kind of resurrect his career? You bet for that. I kind of bet against that. Well, right now he's playing good football, and they're getting the most out of Carson Wentz. So, you know, there's different scenarios. And I just don't know if at the end of the day Jared Goff's going to get it done. You know, I, I think the, the writing is kind of on the wall that it's not going to be great. But we do talk about this a lot, and I, I'm okay with the quarterback being criticized a little bit. I, there's a lot on the quarterback, I understand, more so than anybody else. He gets a lot of blame, right? Gets a lot of credit. All those cliches, those are true. So you got to pick your spots. But I think I'm okay with the quarterback, especially one that really doesn't have a lot of equity built up, uh, to be say, hey, challenge him, even if it's going to be in front of the media. Uh, I, I don't think there's too much negative about that. 
unless you're going to go call out Aaron Rodgers, who's then going to get ticked off about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the situation you got to be careful of. No, for sure. But, okay, then, like, is Dan Campbell calling out other Lions players? Because I haven't heard that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not paying attention. I think this one got the headline. Um, yeah. I'm my. Here's what I would say, Austin. Urban Myers called out some players. Oh, I, I don't necessarily called out's the right word. He's been transparent about players. Yeah, but um, has he said what players have to do to improve? Like, like, uh, like, like, like for, okay, for instance, has Urban Meyer said about Caleb on Chase on how he has to use his hands better or he has to get out of his stance quicker or he's got to drop back in coverage better? Has he done no, that? But I, no, but I would say I think, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, that DJ Chark, he really talked about specifically at the what they would call what they call that snapshot like at that snapshot moment like when you're about to make a play he needs to win that battle more and then we saw him out on the practice field and and coaching that up a little bit so i think from a specific point of view with dj chark i remember it uh so yeah i guess it has been done okay i just Um, think that I, i think if if you have no experience playing the quarterback position and you're not a quarterback's coach and then you're gonna call your quarterback the captain of the team the leader of the team um and try to give him like mechanic advice i'm, I'm not like you know yeah. mechanic. i'm not sure if i if i align with that yeah i understand what you're saying it would come if it's coming from frank reich who works with quarterbacks right yeah if it's coming from mcveigh uh those kind of then you understand it a little bit more if it's coming from your offensive coordinator if mark Furnell's at the podium and he's talking about it i i get what you're saying there um, and you got to be probably a little bit careful. It's it's a slippery slope. Uh, I just think, I think the other end of it has been so protective over the years that like it's not the quarterback's fault. It's not the court. Don't upset the quarterback to the point where don't bring in competition for the quarterback. Don't we don't want to ruffle it. We got to keep this guy in a good mood, good spirit, good everything. <laughs> it's like holy cow. Um, and and I guess this is the other end of that to a degree. It wasn't like he didn't land based golf, but. He probably said exactly what Goff knew, that he's got to play better, um, and, and that's part of it. So be interesting to watch Dan Campbell. He is who he is, uh, hard-nosed, tough-nosed, sometimes teary-eyed. Head coach, by the way, the teary-eyed presser did not do them well. They did not bounce from that very well. No. They got, they got crushed by Cincy instead. Uh so are, are, are we still on the, the boat that you shouldn't cry in a press conference? Or you shouldn't get yeah. teary-eyed? I don't think you should. Hmm. Not five games into the season. Okay. That was a mistake. Do you, so do you, do you think the players played bad despite because he cried? So like, well, forget this. We're not going to play well now? Is that what happened well, in Detroit? Cer- they certainly didn't play better. Well, it's Detroit. There's no crying in football. Name me five players right now on the Detroit roster. Okay. <laughs> uh, we talk about his coach a lot. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We got to go. We got to go. I can't name those five players right now. Maybe on the other side after I Google them, uh, which is one of the top five brands, if you didn't know. We'll be back from String Sports Brewery, Florida State. What do they got cooking this weekend? We talk about them on the way on ESPN 690. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're FSU, you, first of all, you got to hate to have a bye week. If you're FSU, you had a bye week last week. Um, coming off two wins, that's got to suck. Because especially when you have a team like UMass on the schedule, because you think you just roll right through that. And then after UMass, you got Clemson. But let's be real here. Trevor Lawrence is not the quarterback of Clemson. Sure ain't. Deshaun Watson is not the quarterback of anybody, but he's definitely not the quarterback of Clemson anymore. And it's definitely not Kelly Bryan either. 
Taj Boyd. Not even Taj Boyd. Yeah, pulled it out. Well, how about that? Some FSU talk from the fellas. That's Brian Middleton and, well, you know Casey Kurtz. Uh, 7 o'clock to 7.30 on Tuesday, preceding uh, one of the Major League Baseball games on ESPN 690. Guys did a great job talking a little FSU. That was one of the topics. We talk about FSU as well. We are your home for full Florida State football and basketball on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz, Spring Sports Brewery on a Thursday. Beautiful day here in Springfield. We have Jaguars All Access coming up 7 o'clock on uh, Fox 30. We're a week or so away from Florida, Georgia here in Jacksonville and uh, should be exciting with the number one team in the country coming in to Jacksonville. Meanwhile, the Florida Gators, who reeling a little bit and a lot of questions about Dan Mullen and company. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But let's talk about Mike Norvell in Florida State because, hey, Austin Lane. What you got? Mike Norvell, is it starting to turn or is this just a little blip of a two to maybe three game win streak because they likely will beat UMass this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I think that Clemson game is going to be the, the big test here because yeah. they do have the momentum right now. Um, I'm not sure in terms of health. Um, where they stand, you know, I mean, I assume having that, that off week is only going to help things in terms of players um, feeling better, getting back to 100%. Uh, you get through UMass, and then, you know, it's it's a true litmus test against Clemson. And I think anytime a team is on that win streak, especially, you know, going on the road and playing North Carolina, having a very impressive performance, um, you know, it, it's, it's important to keep that rolling. So I think that Clemson-Florida State game is going to be very intriguing, but you can't overlook UMass because, well, Jacksonville State can come into your house and beat you as well. <laughs> yes, it can happen. Uh, I, I think you're right. It does feel there are a couple of benchmark games coming up for Florida State that could be vital, and I don't know if they can get both of them. Um, actually, there's three in my opinion, so a few of them. I don't, know they, I don't think they can get all three. I wonder if they can get one or two. I mean, it's debatable. But you got Clemson, you got Miami, you got Florida to finish the year. Uh, not just those three games, but you got that coming up, and that will be those will be big time wins for Mike Norvell if he could do that. One has been the king of the ACC, and obviously two are your in-state rivals. So uh, it's going to be interesting to watch that if they can be playing, continue to play better football um, against those teams who are not playing lights out football. Uh, to be honest with you, Clemson getting to 20 points for Clemson is a tough deal these days. Miami has all sorts of issues. Florida, to me, is clearly the best team of the three, mm -hmm. uh, but even they. Uh, have some issues as of now. A lot can change over the next month. Uh, all right, let's bring in uh, Casey Kurtz. He does our Florida State report. Uh, brought to you by Willie Jules Old School Barbecue and Bono's Pit Barbecue. What you got, Casey Kurtz? I got a couple things, but let me start here, uh, Austin. Am I right in my guesstimation from on Tuesday where I said that you would want to not have a bye there and just roll right into UMass after winning two straight? It's a fantastic call. Absolutely, especially okay. a game that you, you know you're probably going to win. Um, yeah, you want to keep that momentum going. But I will say this, though. I would rather them play UMass and then Clemson <clears throat> as opposed to playing UMass, then having the bye week, then playing Clemson again. Because sometimes when you have that bye week, Casey, you come out a little flat, you know, you have a little bit of a break, and you want to get that routine going. You want to be a, creatures of ha a creature of habit. So I'm not the most upset about the schedule right now. I got you. And we'll talk a little bit more, well, a lot more about Clemson next week. But you're right, Brent. They can't score points. That's why I think FSU could win that game. Uh, we're doing some trivia off the top. UMass, what are they? 
They are the UMass what? They are the Minutemen. Wow, oh, I yeah. thought that would take longer. No, I got really? you, man. Come on, Casey. I got Casey, you, man. I didn't know. Up there. Uh, w w you didn't answer it, by the way. Well, I was given points. Austin, give me what? Chance. Come on, Brent. Yeah, huh? I mean, you ever heard of uh, John Calipari? Have you ever heard of? Uh, I think Brent was Marcus trying to Google Canby? it. Hey, I think Have Brent was trying to Google it. Come on. Yep. Got the you shoes. Sometimes you can't make them dance, though. It's all right. I beat uh, you to the punch. I told you there was this old trivia question, and the Minutemen were one of the answers to this trivia question. At one time, in Division One, uh, I think it was basketball. Okay. There were seven schools in the country that their mascot did not have, did not end with an S or have a color in it. Okay. Interesting. And the Minutemen were one of the answers. Yeah. Okay. Orange. So, oh, well, I guess orange. Ah, dang. Okay. Never mind. Orange yeah, doesn't fit. By the way, off. yeah, they, they were even the orange men, so that you could have tried to get it, but no, that doesn't fit because of the okay. color. I got Mid you. Midshipmen like navy would be one. Okay. 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 Uh, I'm trying to think of the others. Okay. Let's go ahead and just blow right through this FSU report. I like it. Um. No. All right, Casey, take it away. But we knew what the Minutemen were. Okay, okay. So, sounds like a plan. Uh, so, yeah, the Minutemen, uh, they, they've been struggling a bit this year. Um, I don't know if they always do, but this year especially, they are coming off their first win of the season, 27-13 to 13 over UConn. They also had a bye to prepare, so that could scare you if you're an FSU fan. Uh, however, the Minutemen, they have lo their losses this year have been big, 44-17-14, and 38 So that was a lot of points to lose they by. They stink. Yeah, you said it, not me. Uh, they only score 16.7 points a game, and so that's the situation with UMass. We are going to flip away from UMass, and we're going to tell you that coming up on November 10th is the first FSU basketball game of the season. On wow. November 14th is a Sunday. They are playing Florida in the second game of the season at Florida, so that'll be a big matchup. FSU, by the way, picked second to finish second in the ACC behind Duke and in front of North Carolina. So that's a pretty big deal. And, of course, no Scotty Barnes, obviously, because he is in the NBA now. But I just wanted to pump that up because now seemed like a pretty good time to mention Florida State basketball. And you will be able to hear that on ESPN 690 as well as football. But here's the thing. Back to football. Don't call it a comeback, but you can call it a streak because this is going to be three in a row for Florida State. Um, if you are interested in maybe getting some action on this game, you cannot bet money line anywhere. Um, they won't let you. Um, and the spread is now 35 and a half in most places. There's one spot. I found it at 36. Obviously, that is minus for FSU. The over-under in most spots is 59 and a half. You, I've also found it at 60. So the question is, would you bet FSU minus 35 and a half? And we're going to make it a game. I just decided for this week only, Austin Lane, what are you taking? Oh, sorry, I was eating a cookie. Um, <laughs> what I bet... FSU, FSU minus, minus 35 and a half. Man. <laughs> Five yeah, touchdowns, Cable. and Willie Jules? Yeah, it might have been. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is a game, so I'm trying to do my due diligence here and think, and really think about this. You know what? I am. I am, because I saw that... You, I mean, I didn't watch it, but I saw a highlight of the UConn um, uh, UMass game, and wow. Yeah. So I'm going to say. So, get, yeah, go ahead and give me Florida State. And I, b I believe this that was the game of the century where you could go for $1. Uh, UConn and UMass, the tickets were $1. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't know if many people did go, but you could have if you so choose. So you are saying that FSU will cover the 35 and a half. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Brad Lardino? Mm. I kind of want to go there because 
I think they're going to want to pour it on and, and have a win like that. I don't know if I trust that. I, I, I can't trust that. I'll take 35 to nothing to start Saturday. <laughs> he just said he just said that they suck, and then he's not taking the yeah. 35 and a half. All right, hey, it's it's better yeah, that well, way. We I got one on one side like, and the other. I also didn't say Florida State was great. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> well, to finish it up, FSU playing better. I think they are going to win some of these games, Brent, that you talked about. I think they're going to give Clemson a hard time, and we've got plenty of time to talk about that. But I'm going to finish this off by telling you that this game is at noon, and you can hear it on ESPN 690. Coverage starts at 10 a.m., so be around for that. Go get in your car, sit in the driveway, and listen to Gene Deckerhoff do the FSU game. <laughs> like Obviously that. on ESPN 690. And that is Florida State Report, sponsored by Bono's Pit Barbecue and Willie Jules Old School Barbecue. Well, hold on, Casey. Who are you taking? I mean, you, you can't I put, just put I on. just sung prayers for F. Give me minus oh, 35 okay, and a half. I got you. Jordy Travis then. is an animal. Let's lock it in then. He's going right. to win some games down the stretch. All of a sudden, he's in the Heisman competition. <laughs> you laugh. In. I'm dead serious. It's locked in. All right, I got one for you. Which win, if they could get it, would mean the most for FSU? I know where we're going. I like it. Beating Clemson, beating Miami, beating Florida. If you could just have one this year, which would do it? I would say Florida. I would say Florida Because it's well. Florida. Yep. However, I would say... I would say Florida, but I'd say Clemson is second over Miami because you're at Clemson in that game and, and what Clemson has been. Yeah, you know, it's really it's a good call, and and I think you're, like I think I agree with you guys on Florida. But in the ACC, the top dog has been Clemson, and so. But I don't it, know if that, yeah. that like what do you let me ask you this okay, if I were to flip the tables and let's just say Florida's back in 2014 and 15 and blah 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 and they're struggling, and uh, they could beat. Alabama, or they could beat Florida State, wouldn't you take Alabama? Yeah. I mean, yeah, kind, but, yeah, but it doesn't... Look, I know it's not SEC and SEC, Alabama. but it just means more. Florida State, Florida. Well, to me, like, yes, Clemson's been the, the top of the class in the ACC. But to me, the state of Florida is one of the top in the class in terms of college football recruiting. And uh, to yeah, me, yeah. you, you make a statement in recruiting if Florida State... You know, somehow finds a way to beat Florida. I, I agree with you. I understand. Uh, listen, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think it's a more debatable answer than just Florida, though, because Clemson comes down to the state of Florida, too. And Clemson's been getting all the top dogs in the ACC. And so if you want to play in the ACC, recruiting and beating Clemson can factor in. I get, I get what you're saying. I just don't know if it's as clear-cut because, uh, you know, we're not just talking about the top dog in Clemson. We're talking about the second-best program and arguably the best program of the last six years in college football. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's been that good. And Clemson is still winning. They, they, they will probably, at that point, have less losses than Florida, I'm assuming. Um, and so, yeah, I wonder if it's a little bit. I wonder how Florida State fans fail, fail about that. Like, would they feel more jacked up about a win at Clemson on a Saturday night? Or would they feel more jacked up losing to Clemson, losing to Miami, and then beating Florida? What's crazy about the whole scenario for Florida State is have how bad they started. You look at the rest of the schedule, Clemson, Miami, Florida, Boston College, UMass, obviously, and NC State, and the only game I'm counting them out of is NC State. I think NC State is good. That game is at Florida State, but I think Clemson, Miami, Florida, Boston College, and UMass 
all gettable. I think North Carolina State is just better. By the way, my dad texted me. He's listening to the show. Dr. J apparently went to UMass. Huh. Dr. J did go to UMass. He's right. Well, yeah, is UMass a big thing? UMass is like an hour and a half from where I grew up. Okay. Well, Fox. I didn't know Dr. J went to U I didn't know any of these things about any, UMass. Any other n notable alumni from UMass there, Brent? Uh, Marcus Camby. Any other notable uh, John alumni? John coach there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Would you have come uh, up with Dr. J? Uh, 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 probably not at the tip of my tongue, but as soon as he said that, yeah, I know that. Um, uh, let's see who else. If you want football, Liam Cohen, who was calling uh, that Kentucky offense, went there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know that because he's a Rhode Island guy. <laughs> um, oh, Brenton, you're missing the biggest one. I'm missing a big one. You're the biggest. The well, biggest hang on. Dr. J? Yeah, but see, I guess she went there after or during her. Oh, I, I gave too much away. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're missing the biggest name. It's a she. Yep. I don't think I'm going to get it. Serena Williams. Is really? a, is a, is a, yep, University of Massachusetts Amherst, notable alumni. Serena Williams, number one. She's a minute woman? A minute woman. Wow. Rit Richard Did Gere. Did that online? I, I have no idea. I'm just going off the I website. Um, Richard Gere. Richard Gere. I don't know who that is. Oh, Casey. You're so young. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm going to say is you know it's bad when Brent knows who it is. That is not good. Know. That's not a good sign. Because he didn't know who Daniel Day-Lewis is. Yeah, that's not yeah, a good sign. Do you know who Daniel Day-Lewis is? Yeah. Thank God. All right. Thank um, God. Yeah, that's that's about it. Yeah, those are kind of like the famous ones. Uh, wow. All right. Hey, real quick, uh, we've got to get out of here. I know uh, get to break. But since we're on football, we got Florida-Georgia coming up next week. Looks like uh, if Casey approves, we're going to do 10 a.m. until 1 p.m. from the Duval House on uh, Florida, Georgia, Saturday. And then we got a bunch of TV coverage. Nice. So we will have that uh, coming up. And a real quick thought on Dan Mullen, guys. Should Dan Mullen kind of feels like the seat is getting hot. Why don't I, I – I feel like that's a little over the top. Am I wrong? Or should the seat be getting a little warm for Dan Mullen? I mean, I think the seat should be getting warm. I mean, we're, we're talking about the SEC here, where if you're not winning championships, then what are you doing, especially um, as a big university like the Florida Gators? So I, I think it warrants at least conversations of, you know, thinking should it be in the hot seat or not. Yeah, and a lot of people obviously talking about the recruiting. It's There's just noise. There's noise in the system Yeah. Uh, in Gatorland. All right, we take a break. Action Sports Jackson, ESPN 690 Live at String Sports Brewery here on a Thursday. Be here until 6. Jaguars All Access coming up at 7 o'clock on Fox 30. Come on out, though. Beautiful day here in Springfield. We talk more sports right after this on ESPN 690. Welcome back, everybody. Spring Sports Brewery. Brett Morton, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz here on a Thursday. Beautiful one at that here in Springfield. Come on out to Strings if you haven't been. Uh, come on out to the radio show from 3 until 6. Uh, or come out to Jaguars All Access, 7 to 7.30. Uh, plenty to do. Play some darts. Play some video games. Golden tea over there. Shoot some hoops. Drink some beer. Eat some food. Sounds like a good thing to do. So come on out here to Strings Sports Brewery. Brent Martineau, uh, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz. By the way, don't forget to download the Relevant app. We're going to be putting more information on the Relevant app, more 
well, exclusive new content coming up. Uh, so download that R-E-L-E-V-N-T. It's the relevant app. Uh, once again, Casey told me today, he said, hey, uh, Dewan Smoot is on with the guys right now in the morning show, and I hit the relevant app. Boom, could hear the show right there. That was the quickest way to get to the show is by clicking on the relevant app. So you can hear live radio on ESPN 690. Plus, you can join a bunch of different vibes, whatever you like. It doesn't have to be sports-related, uh, but certainly follow the ESPN 690 vibe, if you will. Let's uh, go to the phone and welcome in Mark Berman from, uh, well, hey, putting on a big golf event right here. What's up, man? Uh, you got uh, a yeah. big two-week event going on at World Golf Village. Uh, we will be down there to cover it. It's a, a women's event, first-time event in St. Augustine. It'll eventually land on a match play format. Uh, tell us all about it. It's new to the area, so nobody really knows exactly what's happening, uh, but it's something that you want to keep an eye on because it looks pretty cool. I, I appreciate that, and honestly, I'm not sure some days I know exactly what's happening. I'm still <laughs> actually reeling from the whole Serena Williams went to UMass thing. Yeah, I, I know. i got to Google that. I don't know if we're factually correct on that. I, yeah. It's, I wouldn't uh, trust I, us. Because being from Massachusetts, you're, you get a, you have to take the extra quiz, and I don't remember <laughs> that being a question. So, at any rate, hey, man, thanks for having us on. We are uh, we're really excited. So we're, we're actually hosting the first professional women's golf tournament in the market in some say 10 to 15 years. Depends who you ask, but a really long time. Uh, and, and we're so excited about it. It's a two-week event. It is unique in every facet. It is, you know, we've got basically like, we, we really have like three missions, Brent. The first is, is really shining a light on professional women's golf and getting people out here to watch these fantastic players. They are not L LPGA players. They are the players working their way toward the LPGA. Uh, you know, for a sports show guy, it, you know, it's, it's double-A baseball. It's ECHL hockey. It is these girls that are on the way up. Maybe they've been to the show and they're working their way back. Uh, but they are incredible athletes, incredible people. Um, we've got U.S. Open players in the field, U.S. Amateur players in the field, college champions in the field, bunch of Gators, bunch of Seminoles, bunch of SEC players. I mean, it, these, are, these are good players. And if you don't know their names now, you're going to know their names in five years. So let's get to know them. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Mark Berman with us, and it's called the uh, PXG Women's Match Play Championships down at World Golf Village. And here's, a, here's what makes it kind of unique. I and mean, We cover a lot of different golf events and, and events in general, but it will run for a few days, 54-hole stroke play event next week at King of the Bear, and then turn into a match play the following week. So basically, people are going to be hanging around in town for a couple weeks. I know you have a kids' clinic that you're putting on on Halloween morning as well. So there's some festivities around this. Uh, obviously good for golf, uh, good exposure for golf, good players. Uh, but two different kind of formats uh, might make it appealing for um, golf fan in general. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the match play format isn't something that, that especially in, in the U.S., right? Like, there's not a lot of match play golf here. Um, the, the women very, play very little match play, so we're excited to, you know, kind of, kind of give them a little bit of a change of scenery, if you will, change of fare. Um, but the format itself is, is unique in that we've got two days of pool play, so we've got 64 players. They will go into 16 groups of four, and one of those player, one player will come out of each pool and go right into the knockout rounds of 16. 
and then it's traditional match play, right? So 16-8-4-2. Um, pool play starts on the 1st of November. They'll play, they actually play each other, they play nine whole matches against each other. And rather than do a one-loss kind of thing, we're actually doing points, right? So it's like everybody's member guest. So every hole matters. And we did that from both the player perspective and the fan perspective, right? So you go out to watch a match, and the player you're going out to, to watch, or maybe you're going out to watch both of them, and the match is over after the 12th or 13th hole, well, you know, that's not that much fun, right? So now we've got nine holes. Every match counts. Every hole counts all the way to the end. They get a bonus point basically for the match one. And so, you know, the next day, so you could lose your first match 7-2, to two and you're still well on the hunt to get to the round of 16. Yeah, so it's going to be really, really fun. Yeah, I would be down 7-2 to two and would have to stay alive. So I like that scoring system. Exactly. Uh, Mark Berman uh, with us. All right, uh, so here's the deal. It's free, too, if you want to attend it, right? Limited tickets, uh, but they are free tickets. So, uh, And there's a, a nonprofit organization that benefits, and that, that's Kids, Inc. So uh, make sure you can uh, support uh, the local community as well. Uh, a lot of festivities going on here uh, around this uh golf tournament it starts with the three-day stroke play october 26th through the 28th at world golf village two pro-ams generation w uh, links the leadership summit as well and i mentioned a free junior clinic on halloween morning as well so uh really a lot going on before the match play part of it takes place on november 1st mark appreciate all the info we'll keep people posted we'll be out there covering it uh i know i'll be emceeing an event on sunday uh, down there to kick things off uh, good luck with the event, and, and hopefully we'll uh, see a bunch in the next couple of weeks. Thank you, my friend. I look forward to it. Hope to see a whole bunch of your fans out there. All right. Uh, thanks, Mark Berman, right, and man. good luck yeah. uh, with the uh, PXG Women's Match Play Championship, first of its kind, coming uh, to St. Augustine World Golf Village. Starts next week, October 26, 27, 28, and then match play November 1st through the 4th with a lot of festivities in between and free. Got to like that, so make sure uh, you go... Uh, Look it up, if you can, uh, at www.wapt.golf. Wapt.golf. We'll be right back. Football at 5 coming up from String Sports Brewery right after this on ESPN 690.